0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Eight counties in Illinois are currently at a high level of COVID-19 transmission, and almost 40 counties in our state are now at the medium level. More and more cases are caused by a new highly infectious Omicron variant. Here's what Chicago's top doctor, Allison Arwoody, says about the direction Cook County is heading. If Cook County does move to a high level, which I definitely think could happen, potentially even in the next few weeks, we would only do a mask requirement if our hospital numbers here in Chicago were getting threatened. Today, we are checking in with infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Termina at Dooley Health and Care to get the latest guidance on what we need to do to keep numbers down in Cook County. We'll also get into some of the details of a rare disease that's spreading through North America and the U.K. It's called monkeypox. Hi, Dr. Termina. Welcome back. Hey, Sasha. So masks are strongly recommended across the city right now, but not mandatory. What do you think it's going to take for officials to bring back the mandate?
1: I'm in agreement with Dr. Arwady. You know, it's hard to kind of backpedal on this now that we've had this freedom of choosing to wear masks uh, based on our own individual risk factors. Mask mandates, by my view, I don't know that we will see them again until and unless we really are stressing our healthcare systems, hospital bed status, hospital admission, intensive care unit, bed availability. That's the sort of thing that really requires us as a community to dial things back, Mm -hmm. stop interacting closely with people indoors and get those masks back on so we can limit the number of new admissions we're having. So where are we seeing the spread? So we're seeing the spread still primarily in people that are gathering. The vast majority of cases that I'm seeing are from people that know exactly where they were exposed. They know a high-risk activity, a party, a graduation, a get-together, proms, that sort of thing, where there's a lot of people gathering, especially as the school year ends, and we have parents, families, students, everyone getting together. That's where we're seeing kind of uh, these upticks in cases and within households. If one person does come down With COVID in a household, there's a high probability the rest of the household's going to experience symptoms as well because it is so contagious.
0: There's a couple counties in Illinois close to entering that high transmission phase that would make masks mandatory indoors. Should we just put masks back on right now, doctor, to make the numbers go down?
1: By my view, if you are, you know, according to the CDC guidance, if you're living in a moderate risk or medium risk county or area, And you are, excuse me, you are immune suppressed, you absolutely should be masking indoors. If you are um, able to forego an indoor activity, that's even better. For those of us who have, uh, you know, immune systems that aren't uh, suppressed or compromised, once we reach that high risk, you absolutely should be masking indoors. So, to the extent that you are willing to kind of be proactive instead of reactive, I see no reason not to be masking in indoor spaces if you're going to be close in contact with other people and you're going to be in that indoor space for a longer period of time. I absolutely think that you should be masking up.
0: Which variant is driving up cases?
1: You know, we are still seeing BA.2 as our dominant variant. That's about 70% of all the cases that we're seeing in Illinois. But that BA 2.12.1, uh, which is sort of another sub variant of Omicron, that is starting to, you know, march its way down. It's not the majority, but it is a variant that's being seen more and more as we're doing sampling of genetic testing around. Symptom wise, they present very similarly, but we have a variant that is slightly. Able to outcompete and be a little bit more contagious than that Omicron BA.2 variant. So that's why we are seeing more cases of it.
0: Some health experts say that we are currently in the fifth wave of COVID cases. Is that what's going on here?
1: I think definitely in some areas, looking at how numbers are trending up and looking at how they plot on a graph and seeing sort of those ups and downs. A wave that we saw with the original Omicron strain in, in December and January, that's not what we're experiencing right now. But are we definitely able to feel the pulse of case counts going up and seeing more individuals who are testing positive? We're absolutely seeing that right now. So to declare that this is a wave, yes, I, I think that that's reasonable to do. But it it feels definitely a little bit different than what we saw in the fall.
0: I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we are talking with infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Taramina (laughs) once again. We are discussing now what is driving up COVID cases in Illinois. Doctor, only 43% of adults over 65 have actually received a vaccine dose in the past six months. Should the 50 and up crowd be getting boosted?
1: You know, we've got a couple factors there. Um, definitely when we talk about 43% of the 65 and up crowd, those are the folks that should be to the front of the line for that fourth dose if they don't have any other immunosuppressive issues. So those folks absolutely should be considering at this point in time getting an additional dose. When we talk about the 50 to 64-year-olds, I do think that there's you know a subset of folks that have health issues. About 30% of uh, Americans in the United States over the age of 50 have at least one underlying health issue, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. All of those folks at this point, especially if it's been more than six months since they've had their third dose, should absolutely consider a fourth dose. For those who are 50 and up and otherwise completely healthy, no other risk factors, certainly we can discuss the timing of a booster dose with your provider, whether it's something that you should get sooner uh, versus waiting toward the fall when we're likely to see an even higher uptick of cases.
0: Is there a chance that um, if there's another surge, there won't be enough boosters for everyone because we'll all just be trying to rush at once?
1: I don't foresee that happening. we seem to have plenty of vaccine to go around and plenty of vaccine uh, in our stockpiles in order to boost everyone who wants a booster and everyone that should get a booster so I don't foresee us scrambling around maybe your you know your preferred location might be running low or you know down for a day or two, but within a, a small geographic area, you should be able to find vaccine whenever you'd like to receive one.
0: Talk about people who have weak immune systems, right, who are older than 12. Should they be getting boosted?
1: Yes. I I think at this point, and now we even have a conversation point about our five and ups uh, that might have weak immune systems as well. I think anyone who is immunocompromised, you know, someone that has an immune system that doesn't work well, is undergoing chemotherapy for cancer, is somebody that has biologic drugs for other health conditions. Those are all folks whose primary vaccine series is already three doses. They should absolutely be boosted and they're eligible for another booster. And again, those folks who are immune suppressed to the front of the line because this is these are the individuals that are most likely to benefit from even that small bump of antibody protection we get with each subsequent booster
0: settle this debate dr termina do we know what lasts longer is it immunity from the vaccines or immunity from actually getting covid
1: It's a complicated question. But, you know, and folks who are COVID recovered would certainly like to say that their natural antibodies are stronger. And in some cases, they may be. I hear hear that one a lot. Yes. And the issue is, is that everyone develops natural immunity differently. And it's sort of haphazard. You could have very mild COVID symptoms if you were exposed, and maybe didn't get a high uh, exposure to a large amount of virus. And maybe you only develop natural antibodies that are, you know, uh, less effective and are less durable. So each person is going to develop them a a little haphazardly. Vaccine-induced antibodies are very much calculated. There's a way that we can kind of see a predicted antibody response when patients are immunized. So you're getting a cleaner, more reliable response. All antibodies decline over time, all of them. So we're going to be seeing a decrease in antibody effect definitely by three to four months after either immunization or natural immunity. And for those who are Omicron recovered, our Omicron antibodies are going to fade, you know, over three, four, five months. And these subsequent Omicron variants that are ticking up, they are potentially able to reinfect someone that does have recent Omicron antibodies after recovery. So we sort of have to keep on tackling this thing from all sides.
0: All right. I want to shift gears, doctor, from, from covid to talk about a rare disease called monkeypox. It's spreading through North America and the UK. We're starting to hear more about it, especially in recent days. Is this a new virus?
1: No, it is not a new virus. It's been around since the 50s. So it's, it's been identified uh, primarily in Africa, and it's uh, been around for a long period of time. And we've had a vaccine for it for a significant period of time as well.
0: How do folks get it?
1: So, you know, that's the interesting part. It generally requires human-to-human contact. This recent kind of uptick in cases we're seeing, you know, even on the home front and internationally, there's a little bit of investigation that's going on you know, that may uh, indicate some uh, sexual exposure, especially in men who have sex with men. We haven't definitively identified that. We're simply looking at that as a possibility. And if this virus has become something that can be transmitted in a little more of a intimate way, we would need to know about that so we can protect ourselves from it. Um, we're still looking at relatively little numbers of cases, but we are on high alert because, of uh, everything we've experienced in the last two and a half years in watching how viruses move through our communities Mm -hmm. to see if this becomes something that is something that's more endemic, epidemic, and then potentially pandemic, which we don't see at this time.
0: In your opinion, how much attention should we be paying to this
1: right now? I should be paying attention to it. That's something that I need to be doing in my day-to-day for sure. Um, For the person that's walking down the street that's just hearing about it in the news, uh, we will certainly keep a finger on the pulse of this particular situation. We have one confirmed case in Massachusetts, one probable case in New York, about a half a dozen cases in the U.S. being investigated right now. And for what it's worth, uh, probably in the last 20 years or so, we had at least one year in there that I can recall where we had at least 40 cases in the U.S., so this isn't something that, you know, is completely uh, unheard of in our country. We have had cases in the U.S. before. I've seen one case of it in my career. Um, again, it's a very slow growing virus. So when you've had a high risk exposure, being vaccinated after that high risk exposure can dramatically decrease the chances of uh, evolving into a full on infection. So that's an easier strategy to kind of compare this with something that's respiratory. And once you develop symptoms, the ship has sailed with COVID. This is not a respiratory transmitted virus uh, at this point in time. I don't believe that it's going to become that way.
0: So that's good. Help help us understand that. How is monkeypox different from COVID?
1: So again, monkeypox is something that is a very slowly replicating virus. With COVID, we have a virus that can replicate rather quickly into very, very high numbers and is spread person to person in a way that, you know, one person who's sick can infect multiple people, you know, during their peak contagious period. So that's that whole reproductive number. When we look at monkeypox, and we've had monkeypox vaccine for a while because we also use that vaccine for smallpox. So that's why that vaccine already exists. This is something that's very slow moving. When it does present with symptoms, you get the flu-like symptoms, swollen glands, the classic rash um, uh, that can be on the hands and feet as well. Mm -hmm. And if you are in contact, say a household member who's traveled internationally or somebody that has these classic symptoms, everybody in contact can be vaccinated and we may be able to stop that spread because we can stop that manifestation of the virus in the next person or the next person. So far easier to control. It should be.
0: So does monkeypox pose a risk of sending us into another pandemic?
1: It's very unlikely. By definition, in order to have a pandemic, you're going to have to have an epidemic in multiple countries. Um, at the same time and the definition of an epidemic is going to be to have more than the expected number of cases in a geographic area so yes are there areas right now that are seeing more than the occasional case of monkey pox that we would see in a typical year there absolutely are but until we start seeing exponential increases and enough uh case counts within communities to start to establish that we're having epidemic spread in multiple countries we won't reach that pandemic category. I don't see this on the radar at this point in time.
0: Well, that is some good news. That's Dr. Mia Taramina at Dooley Health and Care. Thank you, Doc. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.